The Football Clichés podcast is brought to you by Bet365, the world's favourite online betting company. The Bet365 app lets you access pre-match and in-play markets and provides instant match updates across the biggest sports. Brighton take on Watford in a relegation six-pointer this weekend. Will Nigel Pearson's men get back to winning ways? Could Glenn Murray get his second goal in consecutive weeks? With Bet365 Bet Builder, you can combine match results, players to score, number of goals and more to build your own personalised bet. Bet365 is the world's favourite online sport betting company. The app can be downloaded from Google Play and Apple App Store. Over 18s only, please gamble responsibly. I'm sorry, you can sit there and look and play with all your silly machines as much as you like. Is Gascoigne going to have a crack? He is, you know. Oh, I say! Brilliant! He's round the goalkeeper, he's done it! Absolutely incredible! He launched himself six feet into the crowd and Kung Fu kicked a supporter who was without a shadow of a doubt giving him lip. Fired, drilled, rifled, thundered, hammered, powered, slammed, rammed, blasted, driven, arrowed, thumped, lashed, smashed, belted, crashing headers, towering headers, stooping headers, bullet headers, glancing headers, diving headers, nodded, guided, finished with a plomb, impudent chips, audacious lobs, flicked, backheeled, dinked, passed, caressed, curled, clipped, swept, slotted, steered, spanked, turned in, stabbed home, slid home, squeezed home, prodded, poked, stroked, tucked, rolled, in off your backside, deflected, scrambled, bundled, plundered, notched, netted, bagged, tapped, converted, Dispatched, buried, trickled in, floated in, sailed in, hooked in. Screamers, acrobatic volleys, dipping volleys, flying volleys, instant volleys, with the slightest of touches, clinical finishes, walking it in, the cross come shots, and the cops sucking the ball in. Some say the Eskimo language has 50 words for snow, but at the latest count, there are at least 70 ways to describe the most fundamental act in association football, scoring a goal. Brought to your ears by The Athletic, this is Football Clichés. I'm Adam Hurry and with me to talk goals galore are, first of all, The Athletic's tactical genius and celebrity Kingstonian fan, Michael Cox. Hi, Adam. Uh, what's your favourite scoreline? I've, I've got you down as a sort of a 2-0 man. Yeah, that's spot on, actually. <laughs> really? I like, I, like, I like a 2-0 where it's like quite a tight game and then a goal around about 60, 70th minute and then as a the side pushes forward, tries to equalise, they then get done on the break. <laughs> that was way more detailed than Archer I was expecting. I'm more of a 4-2 guy um, and alongside me as well, we've got our polyglot world football expert, Jack Lang. Uh, what's your favourite goal-scoring method? Hi, Adam. I, I'll give you two. Ah. I like uh, a glancing near post header, but the ball has to go down. So it glanced kind of into the floor, then beyond the great the nice. sprawling goalkeeper. Fine. And I like, you don't see these very often, but I like when the ball is running across a player and he almost jabs the foot into the turf, creating like a little uh, lofting situation. Hernan Crespo in the Champions League final and Ariel Ortega did a very nice one. 
almost impossible to do and that's why it's great i the idea of a commentator saying lofting situation sounds great so um yeah both very good answers um things we noticed about football this week um in a long-running genre of um, people in politics using football as a as an awkward analogy, uh, Claire Perry O'Neill, who's the outgoing president of this year's UN Climate Change Conference, uh, she was sacked from the role on Friday night, um, adding a little bit of extra excitement to this. She criticised the Prime Minister for what she described as a lack of understanding about climate change, and she said this, We're playing at Oxford United levels, and we need to be Liverpool if we're going to actually do what the world needs us to do, which is to break out of this incrementalism and start moving us forward. So we need to be more Liverpool about climate change. Well, I think she's she's done well to choose a team that isn't funded by an oil state, <laughs> is the first thing we need to say. So credit for to her for that. Uh, I mean, I, I salute her effort here. It's, it has made it slightly more comprehensible to me. It's quite topical because Oxford played last night. So presumably we're going to take climate change back for a replay back to our place and take them to extra time and they were on television ahead of liverpool which was you know controversial so agree with it uh yeah i think i did i think i did although i was kind of intrigued how liverpool's kids would do because i I found them quite interesting watching against aston Villa, and of course they won last night very unexpectedly so yeah i would have been up for that but to be fair the oxford newcastle game was very entertaining as well i i thought he was asking you whether you agreed about the climate change point but your thing was. oh no i'll leave it those better informed than me on that. Uh, speaking of unexpected things that happened last night, uh, you may have seen the um, the unusual celebration from a Newcastle fan uh, <laughs> for the extra time winner, uh, which begs the question, Coxie, have you ever helicoptered to celebrate a Kingstonian goal in the Isthmian Premier? No, nothing like that. The only highlight I can think of is uh, when we won 1-0 on the opening day at Billericay a couple of seasons ago. I was so excited at Lewis Taylor's last-minute winner that I just ran the wrong way. So everyone else oh. runs to celebrate with the players, and I'm so excited I just tear off in the wrong direction and have to do a very quick about turn. Uh, but my speed from there is quite good. I make up a lot of ground. <laughs> Wild. Wild. Uh, well, um, let's get stuck into the language of goal scoring. This is what we're here for. Um I put it to you that the language of goal scoring is a kind of case of supply and demand, but there are, there are some quirks to be explored here because there are so many words to describe the act of goal scoring because there are so many goals and so many ways of reporting on football, so we need so many words for it. But there are not enough words for goals. We, we have goals, and sometimes we call them strikes, which is a terrible word, but we have no other way of describing goals. Uh, equally, there are no words for goal scorers, marksman, hitman, goal getter, do we have a problem here? Do we have a shortage of words in these scenarios? Yeah, in my writing, I've often found myself really slaloming through the English language to find different ways of yeah, essentially saying someone has scored a lot of goals in a given season. And you end up performing acrobatics, really, which suggests to me that it, it's, a simple, it's a simple shortage. We need to get down the word mines again, <laughs> dig out three or four more for each of those, you know, for the noun and for the adjective. Yeah, I agree. I once used the phrase goal poaching to describe... This was in a game I was playing yeah, in. Yeah. So a teammate scored and I said, I oh, lovely goal poaching. And he he thought that I was accusing him of nicking someone else's goal, which I, did, I didn't... I know it can be used in that context, but I didn't mean that. I just meant, you know, he was being a bit of a Javier Hernandez sniffing around the goal, yeah. you know. But, I, you know, he was genuinely quite annoyed by that. I think, <laughs> as with most other areas of football, it gets quite old-fashioned. I mean, would you, with a straight face, use onion bag or plundering which i believe is a piracy term <laughs> uh, definitely not onion bag no i think that's that's 
beyond the pale. Plundering, there's a certain type of, of scoring that I could just about imagine using plundering for. So which Gerd is Mullery. Yeah, kind of stony-faced, slightly grim, <laughs> uh, joyless accumulation <laughs> of goals. Gerd Muller would be a very good example of that. And I, I would just about take plundering for that because it's kind of, it's a removal of joy. He, mm. He's not getting anything from it. He's just plundering away. I also like the fact that, um, so take on any average episode of Soccer Saturday, if they say the ball is in the back of the net, what does that mean? Yeah, it's one of those where you can use it wrongly. Like, for example, if the ball doesn't actually go into the net, you know, sometimes, for example, that, that mistake Guaita made for Palace at the weekend, you could almost think, oh, he's dropped it into the back of the net, but of course it hasn't been in the back of the net. Well, the point I was hoping that you would pick up on is the fact that when someone says the ball is in the back of the net, it means the goal's been disallowed. The, the actual, you know, say the ball's in the back of the net at Carrow Road, means the goal hasn't counted. In every case, I guarantee okay. it. Okay. It's a new one on you, is it? Yeah, I'm not a big Soccer Saturday watcher. Oh, right. Must, it's not, it's not, it happens everywhere. Okay. This is, this is brilliant. This is going really well. One thing that I really am against is this sentence. He, he's put through his own net. Yeah, yeah. No, he hasn't. Mm. Well, contrived, in, in less, conspired yeah. or contrived to put through his own net which is there's so much wrong with that sense I recently heard a commentator say he put it into the side netting at the near post oh. and I spent I spent ages imagining how he could curl a ball <laughs> so they were going to the side netting at the far so post went in. It, it no no went no no he missed right, he, like, okay. like yeah oh, it, it's just like geometrically impossible <laughs> I think uh, a very very in, important point here I, and I'm seeing people getting this wrong all over the place uh, getting in on the act what, what what would you say what would you say is the threshold for getting in on the act five has to be a fifth goal I think fifth. I would accept a fourth goal provided it was someone you would have expected to score before that so the striker of the team scoring the fourth after three defenders had yeah. scored the first three I could just about take that yeah I mean, you're the you're, would, the you're the oracle. I would say something like Nicholas Otamendi getting the fourth or fifth in a rampant home win for Man City is getting in on the edge. I think I think it has to be a unfashionable goal scorer, an unlikely yeah. goal scorer. Yeah, actually, I, I take it back. Four is fine because I think the ultimate example is um, when Dosena scored the fourth for Liverpool. Yeah against Manchester United in a 4-1 win. Right. That was very much getting in on the edge. Because yeah. I've never heard of him before or since, so that was ultimate. It's very important. I think getting in the app, the threshold is pretty much the same as a route. People ask me this the other day, is when, does, when, does a, when does a simple win become a route? I say it's probably four. Four is the magic number here. I'm glad we sorted this out because it's very important. Is is 4-1 a route? I think it's still just about a route, but the, the line between 4-1 and 4-2, 4-2 doesn't feel right. 4-2 is not a route. 4-2 is you're into comprehensive or emphatic win territory. But is route then about margin rather than... Route is about manner and margin. But you could come down, you could come back from one nil down to route a team. I think to win four one. But I'd say margin would have to be at least three, and total goals at least four. Well, in teletext parlance, if a, if a team scored five, they'd often say five star Arsenal. Yeah. But sometimes I said four star Arsenal when they scored four, which just sounds like a criticism to me. <laughs> yeah, it's a five star, joy of six, yeah. hit for six, seventh, seventh heaven. heaven. Yes. Eight. Eight doesn't have one because the newspapers, they sort of trialed GR hyphen eight for a bit, which definitely doesn't work. So eight is still up for grabs. Cloud nine. And obviously no one ever scores ten, so that's, no one ever needs to get. So that's the hierarchy. It's very, again, it's there are hard and fast rules for this. Um, we've asked our listeners um, to 
suggest some words for goal scoring that don't currently exist. Uh, somewhere in our language, there are gaps. Um, Ashworth, he just goes by the name Ashworth, like sort of Roachford. Um, he says, surely we can raid the cricket lexicon for a few smeared, clattered, nerdled. What's nerdling? Kind of like a, uh, how to put it, like a nudge. Yeah, so it's not it's not through. a big shot. It's it's almost like a. It's it's a wimpy. Yeah. Kind of, oh, I'll, I'll get it away, but with no panache. You you do it you do it for a single, wouldn't you? You'd only ever get a single. Where's the ball going when you nerdle it? Anywhere behind you. Anywhere usually, I'd say usually behind. Usually behind you a little bit. Yeah, maybe. And a smear. What's a man. smear? I'd say that's more of a, almost a whipped kind of. Yeah, a Joss Butler. Slightly risky, but very showy. He smeared that through the covers. Yeah. Okay, well, that's enough cricket. Sam Jarvis says, how about twiddled? And, that, and he produces a really, really detailed explanation of what twiddled might mean. So this is great. Picture a goal line scramble, a defender on the floor on the line, boots and limbs everywhere, and then a calm, collected, composed striker. Picture Andy Keogh in his Mick McCarthy-inspired pomp. Twiddles it in. No panic, no power, just twiddled it in. Happy with twiddled? I'd never use it, I'm afraid, no. <laughs> Could you imagine a commentator using it? Can you imagine, say, Drury? Yeah, I can Drury. imagine him saying almost anything, yeah. I think, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't like it because it doesn't mean anything anyway. I, I think we should be in the realm of adapting existing words. I mean, what is to twiddle? I'll twiddle your thumbs, I suppose. Yeah, you can twiddle your thumbs. It's just like, yeah, I, I, under, I, I get where you're coming from, and, but maybe we need something maybe a bit more, maybe onomatopoeic, something that really hits home the trajectory of the ball. Anyway, um, The Athletic's Dan Barnes uh, says, um, what about spiriting the ball in? Uh, which would involve sort of either defenders and or goalkeepers having to be bamboozled in the process. Would you be up for spiriting the ball in? Sort of maybe sort of smuggling. It's a bit like smuggling. I like that. Yeah, yeah a bit of uh, misdirection involved. Yeah. I, I can get behind that one. Pickpocketry. Uh, finally, Ross McCafferty says, I like suggested for a particularly delicate chip or curled finish. He suggested it in. You, I kind of frown. I know I kind of like that if I'd maybe use that if it was a kind of floated ball towards the far post that a, a striker might have got a touch on but didn't. He's kind of suggested it's a shot. I was like an it, inviting. Yeah, cross. It, it could it could have been a cross. He suggested it as a shot. Someone else can turn it into a cross if need be. Oh. But I quite like that. Yeah, that's just nice. Um, that leads me on to a word I really hate, which is worldy. Yeah. Which I feel like it's a sort of footballing neologism, but I cannot bring myself to. Use. I don't think even think this is a this is an okay boomer moment. I just, I just I can't use it. I think I feel it's a word that footballers use. Yeah, yeah. and and presumably it comes from world class, doesn't yes. it? But you wouldn't usually say that for a goal. It's usually a player you'd say was world class rather than a goal. Yeah, well, yeah, it's actually a very good point. You can't mm. say world class goal. Not really. Anybody can score a great goal. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay, um, but that takes us on to wonder goals, actually. Um, and I feel this is a very important subject because I, I once broke down the BBC goal of the season from the last 50 years, which I think is the, is the long-standing Bible for what constitutes a very good goal. And 50% of them were long-range goals, your free kicks, your volleys, your screamers. Um, but the same, the, the same obsession with long-range exists on the continent. This is the Puskas Award. Eight of the 11 winners were from long distance. So it leads me to think, what, what, do we, what do we really think is a wonder goal? What constitutes a wonder goal? What defines a wonder goal? So what are the things you need to take into consideration when we're saying this is the best goal I've ever seen? Intent is the first one. Mm -hmm. If there's even a 1% a hint that it was an accidental cross, 
for example, if you Google best goal ever, mm. as you have pointed out to me, it's a Roberto Carlos goal that I believe to be, well, there's a solid chance that he didn't mean it. That completely takes out of the running, in my view. That's the first thing. What do you think? Well, you think it was a cross? Yeah. I think he suggested it towards goal. <laughs> what about, say, a goal like, say, Benjamin Pavard's for France at the World Cup, where no doubt visually lovely goal, but did he actually intend to hit the ball like that, Michael Cox? Well, I think he absolutely did. I, I can't understand why anyone would think he was doing anything else. He's cutting across the mm. ball. His mm. body's in that position. The yeah. ball's there. Yeah. So he has to kick the ball, hoping that it's going to swerve into the top corner, and, and it does. Swerve laterally absolutely fine but do you think he meant to kind of get that kind of back spinny loft on it that's what i'm talking about because that undermines a wonder goal the idea that he did simply didn't mean for the ball to take that trajectory uh i'm not convinced of the argument that it was accidental i, I honestly think he meant to hit it like that okay. and uh you know he's such a pure striker of the ball some of his long-range passing is exceptional mm-hmm. i realize that was a particularly you know specific example but I, I, yeah, he's uh, he's got my vote. Okay, so intent is important. We agree on that. What about context? Does it have to be in an important game, or could could would a preseason wonder goal count equally as one in a World Cup final? No, I think it's got to be a, a big game, and I think generally it's got to mean something as well. Even a a great goal that's a consolation, I think, is is deeply flawed. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's a couple of there's a couple of great examples of yeah. preseason goals. I mean. Thierry Henry scored a wonderful one for Arsenal away against some... They were, they were just really rubbish opposition. Though. Yeah, they were. Like a they were. Swiss team or something. Yeah. Like uh, but because it's a pre-season game, you just can't take that seriously. And and when we talk about the greatest goals of all time, I mean, Van Basten was in a final, Carlos Alberto was in a final, mm-hmm. Maradona was a World Cup quarter final. Mm-hmm. I think the ones that really stand the test of time are always big goals. Okay. What about massively overrated wonder goals because this is quite important because some goals have sort of passed through into legend and no one's really kind of sort of stepped back and said what the hell is this George Weyer against Verona has no ingredients of a wonder goal for me well this is the kind of goal see back then we didn't see many goals like in this day and age you can go on the internet and someone has scored a David Beckham goal from the halfway line Mm. Every week, Absolutely. every week. But like, I'd never seen someone score from the halfway line before Beckham. And I don't think I'd ever seen anyone run from his own penalty box like George Ware. Mm. I agree, it's actually quite scrappy. Yeah. But I think we've become quite spoiled in the kind of YouTube age of, of what great goals are. So yeah, I agree in a modern context. But at the time, I was absolutely blown away I mean maybe the interesting thing about that George Ware goal is I'm fairly sure that's the year where he won World Player of the Year and if you look at his goal scoring stats I think he scored seven or eight league goals all season so we're in an era then when if he did something proper major Michael Owen's another example of this I think he came fourth on the Ballon d'Or most people won't have been seeing him week in week out for Liverpool at that time but they saw everyone saw the World Cup goal against Argentina across the world and he suddenly goes from 18 months he makes his debut to coming forth from the Ballon d'Or which is just extraordinary well this leads me to my point it's about whether whether a wonder goal whether it matters who actually scored it um, because there are countless examples of wonder goals from unlikely sources and we have some more listener contributions here um, the general theme here is fullback scoring from 35 yards uh, I feel like Arsenal scored a 35 yard goal from left back against Chelsea about five years in a row um, in sort of late 90s early 2000s uh, Tim Hardwick suggests Martin Keown for England against Czechoslovakia in 1992 now this was his second cap and Martin Keown cut in from the left 
and hammered one into the near top corner. Yeah, I watched that. I didn't think it was that good. It was fine. Not a wonder goal. Definitely not a wonder goal. But not a Keown style goal. Well, a goal that was very good by Martin Keown's standards. Mm. Maybe even a wonder goal on the on the Keown. Uh, scale. It's good, it's good to have a high bar. But objectively this. not a wonder goal, just, okay. just a good goal, I think. Elliot Binks uh, suggests Sebastian Coates bicycle kick against QPR for Liverpool. Um, I think that ticks a lot of boxes. Wonderful, aesthetically pleasing goal scored by a player you wouldn't expect to see do that sort of thing. I think there's something about centre-backs attempting bicycle kicks that's something... Because they're massive people by definition, so them contorting themselves into a bicycle kick is even more impressive, isn't it? Yeah, Gary Cahill did one for Villa very early on in his career. And for two or three years, I think that really kind of enhanced his reputation. People thought about the bicycle kick first. Mm. And oh, yeah, he's he's an all right defender as well. Philippe Philippe Mexers did an amazing one for Milan in the Champions League just on the edge of the box, which, yeah, up there, just ludicrous, chunky character throwing himself into the air. I mean, not a centre-back, but my example of this is a long-range bicycle kick as well, which is uh, Maro Bressan which I feel like is a bit of a classic example. Yeah, Fiorentina against Barcelona, which is, I mean, one, it's a very unusual bicycle kick because the ball is actually bounced. So there's a high ball, two players challenge, he bounces high up in the air and he hits it from about 30 yards. It goes in off the crossbar. But the good thing about that is, I mean, no one knows much about Mara Bressan. He was just a very workman-like midfielder. I was trying to think of a player to compare him to in the Premier League and I went for Dale Stevens. Oh, nice. In the sense he's just a... You know, I don't know anything about Dale Stevens. He's a perfectly good footballer, but he's very nondescript. The only footballer to feature on Homes Under the Hammer, except for Dion Dublin. Really? Yeah. Um, I didn't even know that about yeah, him. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he bought a house on Homes Under but he sent his dad instead so he didn't have to be on the show. So, um, oh. yeah. So I mean, Mauro Bressan is ripe for a 4,000-word uh, athletic special, isn't it? Or Homes Under the Hammer. <laughs> Mauro Bressan Get buys on. an entire row of houses uh, in Rochdale, wasn't he? Um, there were 804 suggestions for Cuco Martinez's um, absurd goal against Arsenal in 2015. Um, possibly the sort of goal that um, Pavard was actually attempting. Yeah, like there's a specific genre for that. SEN as well is in that mm. kind of realm, isn't it? Right back, cutting across the ball. Yeah, nice. But yeah, um, but the thing about Martinez is that as these 804 people pointed out is he didn't do anything else in the Premier League. That was all he was known for. Um, so it, it was the most that, extreme and, example. I think. And he's also one of the players who's uh, only one person from his country has played yes. in the Premier League as well. So he's yeah, got two so little things. He, I think he might be the ultimate unlikely source. <laughs> yeah. Coming all the way from Curacao to score one Premier League goal that everyone remembers and then never doing anything else. Coxie, you wrote a piece recently about Thierry Henry and his trademark finish. Are there any, He's the most extreme example in the Premier League of a player who just kept scoring the same goal over and over again. But it begs the question, why didn't anybody try and stop him? <laughs> yeah, well, uh, yeah, I guess it's easier easier said than done. I guess the other player that is uh, is talks about in these terms is Iron Robin, who kind of did a, a similar thing from the opposite flank, longer range, more powerful, a little bit more spectacular. I think Henri was generally quite cool with his finishes. But I, um, I make notes about basically as many matches as I can and kind of try to describe the goals in, in a kind of concise way. So... Henri and Robin are my two kind of, or two of the verbs I use. So I, I often say Andres Townsend cut inside and robin it into the far corner, <laughs> which um, it doesn't really make sense, but you kind of know what it means. Mm. And then the kind of, you, once you get into the realms of using a player as a verb for a goal, yep. then you start just thinking of players who their name does sound like a type of finish. So Lewis Dunk, for example, you can <laughs> dunk the ball into the net. Yeah. And then you've got other kind of questionable ones like, 
bong doesn't really mean anything but you can just bong the ball into a net i think works quite well when you write that someone on read the ball into the net how, how are you spelling that do you preserve the Y? You just swap it out for an I. <laughs> no, I swap it out for an I. Actually, you're right. Yeah, I E D. Yeah. Now, there's a goal scored recently. Um, Jimenez's goal for Wolves against Liverpool, where he started to move in his own half. He fed Troy on the right. It was a lovely cross into the middle, and he glanced a lovely header into the corner. And, and it, it felt like a goal I'd n- I hadn't seen for years, almost decades. It didn't feel like a a typical modern Premier League goal. What would you say is a is an average Premier League goal these days? I think there's been a big increase in goals scored from cutbacks. Mm. Um, I know this was a bit of a thing in coaching circles a few years ago, where you know they found that crossing wasn't particularly efficient, and you really had to kind of almost play a I almost play like a through ball to the edge of the box. Yeah. Um, and I remember going to the Opta office one day and there was a big notice on the wall with a diagram about w- what a cutback was because uh. there's a specific type of pass in the system. And it has to be played from kind of beyond the edge of the penalty box to a very particular point on the edge of the penalty box. And I thought, yeah. yeah. And, and I then saw a tweet about a week ago from someone highlighting some showboating from Neymar. And he said something along the lines of, uh, he's the only true baller left. Everyone else is a robot trying to play a cutback. <laughs> I just never heard anyone object to a cutback before, which I think is a perfectly reasonable... Cutbacks are fine. Yeah. Um, but it feels like, in an opposite sense, there are, there are some goals that seem to be just completely dying out. There are there are fewer headed goals in the Premier League these days generally. But what happened to the diving header? When was the last time you saw a proper old school diving header? I'm, t- I'm talking 1980s cup final winning style diving header. Where yeah. have they gone? What happened to diving headers? Tell me. I mean, that's a very good point because there's no reason why they shouldn't exist because I tend to think they're a little bit counter-attacky. You know, you have to... It's usually on the run, isn't it? The, the mm-hmm. player has to be on the run. So there's no reason why it shouldn't happen. I mean, the, the classic example I would think is Henrik Larsson at the Euros, but that was year 2004, I think, wasn't yeah, it? So yeah. it's a long time ago. I miss the mid-90s textbook finish far corner uh, with a player, say, running down the right channel. Yeah but shooting with his right, not kind of the reverse winger thing, mm. on his stronger foot, pulling it across goal in the manner that you yeah, know, so every single coach tells you to. Aim for the far post. style, perhaps. Yeah, and just a lot of... I just I think about that, and I, I think that's a very Premier League... Mm. Uh, Premier League of my youth style finish. Mm. You know, uh, Les Ferdinand yeah. uh, hitting... Not really guiding it. He's not passing into the net, but nor is he really parrying it. That kind of midpoint between a powerful and a placed finish far corner maybe two foot inside the far post okay not many of those to the to the pound these days i mean i think on diving headers maybe there's an argument that as players have become more technical they're just more keen to use their feet because when i think of diving headers and someone who would always try and do that rather than kick the ball was Tony Adams. Like Tony Adams would head the ball if it was a yard yeah. off the ground, yeah. which you can't think of many modern... Cent- you can't think of John Stones wanting to do that. He'd kick crossing the ball. is just getting better. So you're aiming it for someone's head in the first place or you're aiming it for their feet and so you're not going to waste sight. Anyway, we could talk all day about diving headers, but um, what about half volleys? Because this feels like an enduring debate and uh, I feel like we're, gonna, we're about to disagree spectacularly on this. Um, what is a half volley? Because... Uh, as the appropriately named goal scorer challenge tweeted, um, a word, we need a word for a shot that's hit on the full after it's bounced, but not immediately after it's bounced. It's not a volley. It's not a half volley. It needs a word. Isn't it a volley? I would call it a volley. I think there's some situations where it can be a volley. Mm-hmm. I mean, the the goal that Jamie Vardy scored 
against Liverpool in Leicester's title winning campaign bounced up so high that yeah. I think you'd struggle to say it wasn't a volley. It negates the fact that it vo- it bounced. Yeah. It became irrelevant. Same as, for example, if you hit the ball against the bar, it bounces onto the ground, loops up in the air and someone puts it in. That kind of is a volley. Mm-hmm. But I don't just think a ball bouncing two or three times and then you hit it on the fall. I don't think that's a volley at all. This is interesting. I mean, our, our readers may not have followed the uh, educational history of, of Michael Cox. But this represents a real softening of what was a real volley fundamentalist view that you espoused for a number of years. And I regard myself as playing a a really important role in that change. (laughs) Uh, We've had this debate a few times. I once put a picture on Twitter that I'd hand drawn uh, as a counter argument to Michael. So Michael previously said that a volley is only struck before it's hit the floor after the last pass. I drew a picture of a goalkeeper, for example, not very realistic, but physically possible blasting a ball into the ground <laughs> which has never happened in football history <laughs> but it could i uh, i was a philosophy student so i don't care about realism <laughs> a goalkeeper blasting the ball into the ground in front of him with yep. such force that it uh, bounced off the floor became a kind of floated long ball looping into the striker's path and he volleys it on the full of course that's a volley of course it's a volley and that's the counter example to what was Michael's position and I'm delighted to see the that he's come on board. first time he's ever changed his mind. But that, I mean, that has genuinely never happened in the history of football. Jack's inventing something like that I can only think of as almost akin to like a table tennis serve where you deliberately, or, <laughs> or maybe skimming a stone into the sea. But I mean, that just doesn't happen. But it made you think, didn't it? Jack, I believe you have a theory about dinking and what constitutes a dink because it, the opinion seems rather divided on twitter at least i've got a ranking of of where it's best for the ball to land right is what i've got so a, a dinked finish let's suppose that it's over a goalkeeper mm-hmm. uh, i think the best place for the ball to land is on the line like plumb on the line then go into the net the second best place i think is before the line yep third place would be after the line but pre-net mm-hmm. and for me the chip that goes that hits the net first, that's the least noble form of dinked finish. And I'll tell you why. It's the ball landing before the net or even the line just accentuates the the bullfighter impudence of it. <laughs> so if it hits the net, it's just that's, that's like loads of finishes. Loads of finishes hit the net. If you're gonna if you're gonna dink the ball over the goalkeeper, yep. you want everyone to really know. I mean it's kind of like not being able to see the end of a rainbow. Do you know what I mean? You want the complete 180-degree trajectory to be played out in front of you. What is the difference between a lob and a chip? For me, they're completely different. I mean, a a chip is is a technique, I'd say, more than the trajectory. Mm -hmm. A chip has to be you're getting your toe under the ball. A lob can be... It could be volleyed. I feel like the ball has to be off the ground. For a lob? To to execute a lob. No, I I wouldn't agree with that. I'd say... No, I think you can lob the keeper from 40 yards from it on the floor. That's the only exception I would make is if you you scored over the keeper's head from 50 yards, that's the only time I would use a lob for a flawed ball. Yeah, I mean, it's a flatter, probably a flatter kind of trajectory. I agree with Michael on this. I think a chip has to do with the type of contact you make with the ball. A lob has to do with the positioning and context of other players most notably the keeper but you could i think you could lob a defender on the line but the word lob <laughs> the, the word lob is independent of the contact you make with the ball this is and the word chip i think is independent of anything around you so you, you could you could chip the ball up when there's no one around you 
And I couldn't, a PhD you now. couldn't lob in a vacuum, let me tell you that. <laughs> it, in uh, Tony Adams' autobiography, second time I mentioned Tony Adams, he describes the goal Marco Van Basten scored against him in 88, 89, I think, right. as a chipped volley. Ooh. Oh, no. Which, oh, which no. really doesn't work. But, like, technically, it could happen. If you, if you caught the ball just as it was bouncing and get your foot underneath it. I've never seen it happen. It's not impossible. But when I saw that goal, it was just a lob. Just it was just a lob volley. Borski at your United States, that a scoop? Yeah, I'd say that's... Only because everyone... Described it as a, yeah, exactly. I've never really seen goal. a scoop before that, but that was the ultimate. Scoop. Okay, so we've spoken about great goals, we've spoken about wonder goals, we've spoken about beautiful goals. But what about bad goals? Does the con- first of all, does the concept of a bad goal exist? Can you score a bad goal? I'm going to bring in uh, the great history of Brazilian football here, mm-hmm. and one of its great amateur philosophers, a guy called Dada Maravilha, Dada the Marvel, who is famous for scoring a lot of goals, but also mainly being a great thinker about the art or otherwise of goal scoring. So yeah, he had all these little aphorisms. Uh, one of the best was, there's no such thing as an ugly goal. Ugly is not scoring a goal. But he also, so he was a real kind of grubby, not very technically proficient player, kind of a, a Pippo Inzaghi of his age. Okay. And he also said, you know, he had all these phrases, I was too busy scoring goals to learn how to play football, which I adore. So... I don't know where I'm going with that, but I just like it. It's, it's beautiful. It's, uh, yeah, philosophy. Lovely. Um, what What would you say is your least favourite type of goal? Uh, two least favourite types of goal. One is a penalty rebound, which is just horrible. If it's the if it's the taker scoring the goal, I would genuinely revise the rules <laughs> and get rid of the D on the edge of the penalty box because the only purpose for the D is essentially giving the penalty taker more opportunity to score the rebound. You don't need it. The football pitch looks very weird without it. I have tried, but it's it's completely unnecessary. It's quite an unsatisfying spectacle for a neutral, isn't it? A penalty rebound because you, you have the thrill of seeing a goalkeeper save a penalty, which although not unusual is just nice to see. And then you, then everything else is crushed by the rebound, which is never going to be a good finish because it's being stabbed home from 10 yards. It also looks bad on the kind of um, the score sheet because you've got missed pen and then the player scoring the goal yes. in the same minute, which it's I don't a, it's like. It's an administrative mess, isn't it? It Michael? is. It is. It is. It is. Dave Tickner um, uh, tweets in with a suggestion that ticks pretty much every box we've covered today, which is um, Jason Cundy scoring with a slide tackle against Ipswich from the halfway line in 1992, which he says is the best goal from an unlikely goal scorer, the worst goal he's ever seen, and inspires its own verb, which is to Cundy, uh, scoring a goal from absurd distance despite idiocy. Cundied it in. <laughs> he cundied it in from 50 yards. Yeah, I mean, I would know exactly what that meant. I've never seen a goal quite like it, but uh, yeah, I'm up for it. I think you could give a verb to Chicharito Hernandez for that which is this is my favourite ugly goal when in the community shield against Chelsea he kicked the ball into his own face (laughs) uh, in front of an open goal so Mm -hmm. that combination very easy chance objectively making a mess of it yet still scoring in an ultimately embarrassing manner and almost in its absurd ugliness becoming quite a beautiful goal. Oh, I love ugly goals. Okay. I'm completely against... You're with your Maravilla chap. Yeah, even, yeah. A, even a penalty rebound. I, I think, for me, the, gro- the grottier, the better. The more, <laughs> cer- certainly, unless it's against my team, the more I enjoy it. I, I love a, a Pippo Inzaghi scrambling the ball home no. from half a yard. I, hate, I really hate deflected goals as well. 
I almost think they shouldn't count. I just give a corner instead. That that moment that <laughs> moment in a replay where during sort of the TV game where it looks like it's been a brilliant goal and the and the co-commentator is well on his way to just describing this as the best goal of all time and then it's just oh oh no yeah oh, it's yeah. been deflected yeah yeah yeah. Well, the, the ultimate example of that is 2002 World Cup when Rivaldo scores against Belgium and Motson has this great, you know, really uh, elongated speech about how it was riveting and it was ruthless and it was Rivaldo. And of course he would have used it whether it was Rivaldo or Ronaldo or Ronaldinho. And then it takes a massive deflection, but you only see it from the third replay. And it's just slightly heartbreaking because he's prepared that line for days. It's time to say goodbye. Um, But let's not forget all the ways that you can miss a goal, of course. Uh, There's blazed, skied, spooned, ballooned, screwed, sliced, scuffed, snatched at, dragged, caught in two minds, crashed against the crossbar, denied by the post, cannoned off the woodwork, if anything, hit almost too well, fluffing your lines, squandered, wasted, power over placement, guilt-edged... All our podcasts are completely free and ad-free versions are available to subscribers. You can sign up and get a 40% discount now by using the promo code CLICHESPOD.